Ramble. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of You Can Sit With Us. My name is Maggie. I am joined today by my co-host, Matthew. Hello. It's a very exciting podcast because Rachel is in the building. Hello. And we got Rainy on the ones and twos. Hello. Today we have a very exciting episode. We are, this is episode four of our sex series. Um, In the middle of this episode, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln will be joining us and we'll be answering a lot of the questions that we've had from our audience from an OB-GYN. We are very excited to have her on. Um, How's everyone doing today? Amazing. That's always like the hardest question in the Incredible. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, guys, we are going to go rapid fire. Hot. Or not, do these traits make somebody hotter? Number okay. one, cuffed jeans. How do we feel? Hot. Hot. <laughs> For I people feel listening in, intimidated. Matthew has cuffed jeans Hot. and some sneakers. I can't answer honestly because of what is sitting in front of my eyeballs. Oh my gosh. Hot. No. I feel like it t- it has to, de- it depends on the type of cut. Like if you're wearing boot, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's, it, it depends on who's wearing it. I feel like you can look not <laughs> you know? hot wearing cuff jeans. So if you do look hot wearing cuff jeans, you must be extra hot. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Matt, how are you feeling? What's your temperature check? <laughs> What's your temperature check? Attack. I think you look really good in your cup jeans. I think you look really good, but objectively, when I saw this on the dock, I'm like, no. Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow. Sorry. Sorry. Do you think, actually, answer in the comments below Does Gen Z cuff their jeans? I feel like the answer is no. I don't think so. I can't imagine. It feels distinctly millennial. Yeah, like jeans that are like hit above the ankle a little bit. Mm -hmm. Baggy. Baggy. Or full wide. Or full wide, or yeah. Or full wide all the way. Yeah. yeah. Claire. All right, let's go to the Chugi. next one. <laughs> the next one. Calls you baby. Mm. Cringe. Cringe. Yeah, I don't like it. Cringe. I don't like it. Not. 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 The worst. Rachel likes it. She's like hot. Is a hot. The worst is a nickname that you don't. Like, you're not at that stage yet. You're like, wait, what did you just say to me? Yeah. Did that ever happen to you in your dating life? You're like, hold on. We just met. Or just by, like, a teacher or, like, an elder. Like, I've been called, like, pumpkin before, and I'm like, well, I I don't think that. I grew up in the South, so there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of nicknaming. I find that charming. Mm. From, like, an older Southern woman, she can call me baby. Mm. What if she's just like slut? I feel like that's I, not a term of endearment, <laughs> yeah. Matthew. Maybe for her to <laughs> no. The women in the South are just like, "Hey, baby, what can I get you today? You want Coke or iced tea?" Mm. And you're like, "Oh, you just hit that Southern accent, Rachel." Yeah, well, I can't believe you don't have a Southern accent, mm. Rachel. Did and you work, Did you I, work it out? Uh huh. Whoa! I lost my Southern accent on purpose. Mm. No, yeah, I love Southern I did accents. it. Well, here's the problem, Rainy. I was living in Vermont and I was Miss Vermont and I said y'all all the time. And oh, that was like confusing not confusing Vermont to East. people. And I yeah. didn't want to be seen as a carpetbagger, like someone who just moves to a northern state to win a pageant because they're much harder to win in the South. Oh. 
So I mm. purposefully discarded my Southern accent and Southernisms in order to uh, be chill. Interesting. Go for the gold. Yeah. Well, it was chill for me to compete in Vermont because I went to school there. But like walking around being like, hi, y'all. Didn't so seem good. I know. get the bell of the ball. I, I, I could have been a different person, but really could have. Does it ever come out when you're like, I don't know, uh, drinking? Yeah. No, I would say it used to like when my dad was alive, it would come out on the phone with him because mm. he'd be like, hi, Rachel. Oh. <laughs> and you just can't help it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Anyways, Southern accent plus baby from like a older generation person who's like going to serve you some barbecue. A plus. Yeah. Hot. Uh, not hot but charming gotcha hot okay doesn't drive not not numbtot he's a numbtot or she doesn't drive but if they live anywhere on the east coast with like better transportation no no rachel's strictly anti she's like no the ability to drive yeah okay useful you need to know okay <laughs> you need someone who can drive. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to like tra- trade. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um is a good singer. Hot. 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 Yeah. yeah. Hot. Yeah. Very hot. Like someone at karaoke who surprises everyone. Yeah. And as someone who is tone deaf, I'm always like not only hot, but like full of envy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In another life. Yeah. Mhm. Um has a beard. <laughs> yeah, Rachel. What do you think now, Rachel? Once again, <laughs> I think um, beards are very person dependent. I don't think mm. a beard makes you hotter or makes you not hot. It could. It could mask. Would your a beard actual, make me hotter? Well, it could mask your actual like facial structure. Haven't you seen? There's all these memes about like, oh, you can beards, shade in like you beards can, are a man's makeup because it can like change. It can chisel your chisel yeah. your jawline. What do you look like without a beard, Matt? You yeah. look like a little baby. I look almost the same. You know? Yeah. It doesn't help me that much. I'm hot. Always. <laughs> <laughs> a little sulky. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. <laughs> no. That That's not mm. for me. Yeah. yeah. Not Edward Cullen. It's like, uh. Ugh. No. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> that vampire. I no. think it could be. It could be? Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Don't you think? Matt's, Matt's into it. You said you don't know. You said you don't know. I, I feel indifferent. I'm just like. I'm moody enough for everyone in my relationships. I don't need anyone else being moody. <laughs> you want to be the moodiest of them I'm all. I'm the moodiest. <laughs> so we have some audience questions. Woo! My favorite. This one's a little long, but it's interesting. Okay. I'm all ears. And these are all, you know, under the guise of sex. Right, because mm-hmm. that's the, the concept of today's episode. Uh, thank you for prepping my. So you aren't shocked. <gasps> Is it hear. shocking? No. <laughs> I'm like very offended that my f buddy isn't obsessed with me. It's a casual thing, which is fun, but it's low key offensive to me that he hasn't fallen in love with me. <laughs> and I don't know if this is because I like him or just because I have an insane ego. I also should really stop shagging him because he possesses so many of my personal icks as well as my red flags and I can't tell if I'm still sleeping with him because I've fallen for him or because it's easy and convenient for sex or because I have this ego thing of motherfucking need to make him fall in love with slash worship me. Wow. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes, I see some red flags already. Yeah. I sound unhinged, but we are we all a little toxic unhinged sometimes? 
I also may be lesbian, TBF, and only sleep with want the love of men in general for validation purposes. Hmm. But I also hmm. might be bi and don't really like this man. I fear I can only know if I achieve the ego goal of making him fall in love with me and then seeing if it goes away. But this may never happen. So I, so will I ever truly know? <gasps> wow. I feel like she's being unpack. ripped a lot different directions. Rachel's well. face went, <laughs> you were like, but I might well. be a lesbian. You're like, <laughs> excuse me um i think this person should see a therapist and work on themselves and stop sleeping with anyone because clearly they're not very capable yeah. of like kindly sharing their bodies with other people yeah i don't even want to love him i just want him to love and worship me yeah your ego is the problem mm-hmm. yeah like i i yeah is it like relatable at all to sort of want somebody to like you even if you're like i don't even know if i like him but i now sure is she just like is she just so in denial that she likes him and she's like pushing that aside to make him want him to like her but it seems like she's not even saying anything like he's this he's this to me it seems like she's just obsessed with the fact that he's not obsessed with her we don't we know nothing about this man yeah no, no, so yeah. she only really likes the idea of him liking her right. or worshiping it's like her. A now. Feels yeah. like a conquest. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah improving, trying to prove. Feels like a competition that he doesn't know he's in. Mm-hmm. You know, right? And the fact that she brought kind of sexuality uh-huh. into it too—that uh-huh. she might be lesbian. I mean, that is just a whole other thing that she's figure out herself. He's not going <gasps> to help her figure that out. Yeah. No, she needs At to figure all. out she needs all to figure of her that stuff. Out yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Am I the asshole for saying I'm awake when my roommate had sex in a room where she thought I was asleep? Happened two nights ago and she's been weird to me ever since. Wait, she said I'm awake while they were having sex. It sounds like, like it. Like yeah. they were having sex, sex and she goes, I'm awake. <laughs> like, please stop. <laughs> yes. This literally happened to me. <gasps> really? What did you do? I talked about this on what the podcast. What did you do? I what, did you do? You did. what did you do? Yeah. What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? I told you. Well, for, for those of you who didn't listen to this podcast, it was, I think there was a party. We were throwing a party and we both shared a room in college. She had her boyfriend over. They started having sex. I had already been asleep for like probably like 20 or 30 minutes because I went to sleep early because I wasn't feeling so good. Um, so her and her boyfriend come in and they start having sex and I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Uh, I don't know what to do. So I let them do what they need to do because like we're in college we're in college and i'm like okay we're here i don't know what to do i'm awake now and they stop they what sounded like finished and then they started again and that's when i got pissed i was like hi i'm awake (laughs) hi i didn't say hi i was just like "Uh, guys i'm I'm here." here yeah and what they do they stopped and they were like and it was did they say sorry 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 they just stopped they were like oh my gosh uh and it was just very awkward and we all went to bed and then the next morning no one fell asleep for another hour yeah Yeah, just like they're so still yeah Yeah. and it was very uncomfortable the next morning and i was like i'm so sorry i had to say something but i just felt really uncomfortable and she just played it off like nothing had happened and we never talked about it ever since (laughs) Oh we were, my god! We were awkward freshmen in college. Are you, s- or maybe sophomores? We were sophomores, but still. Oh my! I can't believe she wasn't like. I am so sorry. Yeah, because yeah. I, maybe I can understand like, one thing. Because like living with people, you're gonna hear 
bumps and stuff from other <laughs> rooms. Like it's almost unavoidable yeah, in yeah, college. Yeah. Yeah, Especially if you're like coming to watch a movie with friends and somebody else has like their significant other over, like it's almost like I yeah. I get that, but in the room, in the room where I was not feeling well, uh, that and maybe they thought never, I was like blacked out drunk. I don't know. She never yeah. found out that you heard the first round, right? Yeah, that's like she probably thought uh, you I just mean, the woke difference up. Here is that your roommate acted like nothing happened, mm-hmm. where this one the roommate's acting weird. Mm. Well, so how do you address the weirdness? Because like they're embarrassed. Yeah, they're just yeah. not coping with it very well. Yeah. So what are you gonna do? I don't know. You. I feel like there's been enough distance from what when it happened mm-hmm. to my when when it happened to me. So I could just be like, we don't need to be weird. Like I just wanted to let you know I was in there and it was weird for Were me. Were you friends with your roommate too? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Maybe you <laughs> send a text so you don't have to do it face to face. Like. That oh, was yeah. weird and uncomfortable. Can we just be friends? Yeah. yeah you know, like, awesome. and not let that happen again. Yeah. Like, a text <laughs> might be the way to go for some distance. Yeah. That could be true, yeah. Yeah. Nothing you can do just now. No. Just to clear the air. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're yeah. not the asshole, though. Let's but I do you understand know. why she would be being weird. Yeah. yeah like, I, I don't think it's personal, sides. though. Yeah, I don't think it's about you. Well, it's definitely about her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like in your situation, everyone was a little drunk. So, like, I don't think I was even, I just didn't feel well, but she oh. probably assumed. But I don't know. If you guys had a party, were they drunk? Maybe they were. Yeah. That's probably true. But I could, I don't know. Anytime there's anyone in close near vicinity, I'm like, be quiet. No. Yeah. Be quiet. Be quiet. Don't kiss me. When we're like, don't staying, kiss me. When we're staying with like, when we go on vacations and stuff, I'm like, no. So like the fact that it was still in the same room, I'm like, oh my God. That's no. a that lot. was college. It's a lot. Yeah. A yeah. Lot. People were so horny in college. Yeah. I remember waking up and there was like some oh. naked woman in oh, my Rach. bed. Oh, Rach. Oh, ah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Keep going. Hi. Keep going. Yeah. No, so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Lincoln. That's where I come in. When you made those uh-huh. choices in college. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. We're so I'm excited. So, I'm so excited. I love talking about this stuff. So, Well, Dr. Lincoln, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy oh, schedule please. to come sit with us. We are so excited to have you on. Um, I'm so excited to hang out with you all. Yeah. We asked, so we're doing like a sex series um, and we wanted to have an expert. So we uh, wanted to have you on and we have a bunch of audience questions. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about your background and why you're an expert in this field? Yeah, like a sexpert, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm an OBGYN. I'm a board certified OBGYN. I currently practice in Portland, Oregon. Um, I also use social media to educate. I've been doing it for a few years now and I have over 3 million followers across my socials where I talk about things like vaginal discharge and periods and, you know, access to abortion care every day, because I like to think of it as the health class you didn't get in high school. I'm a recovering all girls Catholic school. Woo! Um, <laughs> girl, yes, there's a lot of us who go into because <laughs> you're like, what in the heck is this abstinence mm-hmm. only education? Yes, let's talk about it. Um, no, and I, I I love getting to do that. I'm also the executive director of Mayday Health, which is a health education nonprofit that helps people get abortion pills in all 50 states, um, which we started after Roe fell. So mm. a lot of fun stuff. And I'm also I do a podcast too called Let's Talk About Down There, which is just me talking about down there and stuff on a podcast. It's great. Um, 
Amazing. <laughs> These first few questions from our audience were one of the most frequently asked. So what are the long-term effects of birth control pills and what are the pros versus cons? I know it's like a heavily loaded question just because like so many people have like their own experiences and it's just... Yeah. A lot of... Yeah, so I'll talk for three hours just about... No, I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> um, I will, I'm going to put it back to you. What do you think the number one pro of... of uh, like we could say long-term effect of birth control is. Do you guys have any idea what it Probably might be? Probably not having a baby. Not getting Thank pregnant. Thank you. You win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, what I like to call temporary induced infertility, which mm -hmm. is the point because we don't want to get pregnant. So I know I'm like I'm being jokey about it, but truly that's the number one long-term side effect is that you are able to appropriately plan your pregnancies for if and when you, when you want them. Um, birth control gets a bad rap mm -hmm. on social media. I'm sure you've seen like all of it. The vast majority of it makes birth control seem like it's evil. And I want to tell people it's not good. It's not bad. It's neutral. And it depends on what you're using it for. So there are some really good long-term effects of birth control. And I'll talk about those first. And I think it's stuff that nobody really knows about. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, maybe, you know, maybe you guys haven't heard of this either. So it drastically decreases your risk of a few cancers. And I think this is one that we don't talk about enough. So using birth control pills, um, it can decrease your risk of ovarian cancer by about 27%. And that's amazing for a cancer that we don't have great screening for. And we often diagnose in very advanced stages and our treatments aren't, you know, great. Um, and for every additional five years that you use it, it goes down another 20%. That's amazing. That's wild. It also I did decreases. not realize it was that yeah. much. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Um, and even better, it decreases your risk of uterine cancer, also known as endometrial cancer by 50%, five zero. In fact, we use it as a treatment to prevent cancer of the uterus in people who are having abnormal periods or irregular periods because they're at an increased risk. Um, and it even decreases your risk of colon cancer by 18%, which I'm like, hey, it works everywhere. It's, it's a giver. It's not just helping your uterus <laughs> and your ovaries. Um, I will talk about some of the cons though, because I know that's what people often, what they're focusing on. A lot of times people will say, well, doesn't it increase my risk of breast cancer mm. in the long term?" And it, it's true, but it's, it's true, but, and this is never the part that makes it into the TikTok that goes viral. So if you're using birth control pills, you do have an increased risk of breast cancer. It's about one extra case in every 7,690 women every year. That's very different than saying it increases your risk, right? And if you're less than 35, it's one in an extra, it's an extra one case in every 50,000 women using it. So yeah, it's an increased risk, but it's not a dramatically increased risk. If it still feels like too much for you, then mm -hmm. don't go ahead and use it, but just understand that. Um, another con or, you know, what might say is a long-term effect is an increased risk of blood clots. That's one I think we hear about a lot, more specifically talking about birth control that has estrogen in it. But I want to also put that into numbers that are actually useful. So, you know, me walking around, I'm not using any birth control. My risk in, um, out of every, you know, let's say we have 10,000 women a year who are not using any birth control, one to five of them will get the kind of blood clot that we talk about being an increased risk with birth control. If mm. they are on birth control, that risk goes up, but it's three to nine per year. So it's more, but it's not that much more. And when you compare it to pregnancy, the risk in pregnancy five to 20 out of 10,000 women and postpartum, which is really the most dangerous time for this kind of side effect, 40 to 65. So there are some long-term effects. 
it's important to note that it's not going to affect your fertility. It's not going to make you marry the wrong person. It's not going to do a lot of things that social media claims. Mm -hmm. It's really important if you have a specific concern, though, to talk about it with your provider and not go down the rabbit hole, which I know is hard to do. It's hard to do. And it's (laughs) such a personalized approach and something that you should discuss with your doctor. Because just like getting on any sort of medication, sometimes it's not a one size fits all. And there's so many different options, which is great. Right. And overwhelming, yeah. And overwhelming. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Absolutely. What are your recommendations uh, for safe sex for lesbians, gay men, hetero couples? What are your top uh, things that you tell your patients? Top things I tell my patients to keep it safe in the bedroom. Safe is not boring, okay? So don't think like we're going to talk about, you know, we're totally going to take the spice out of your sex life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a couple really easy things. So the first one is know your status. Get tested and know that having, knowing what your status is, whether it's in relation to gonorrhea, chlamydia, HIV, all those things, like it's just so you can be more informed and it doesn't mean that you're dirty or something's wrong with you if you have one of these. And a lot of things are curable, some things aren't, but they're manageable and you can decrease risk. So knowing your status, don't bury the lead. You know, if you're meeting somebody and you're going to have sex with them, it's like a responsible thing to do. If you Absolutely. know that you, yeah, you know, it's, and actually it's, it's, you know, it's a great way to figure out if you want to be with this person, because if you have herpes and you tell somebody that you have herpes and they don't want to be with you. What a great screening question because there may be people you don't want to be with, you know, for a lot of reasons. And that's a great way to see it in the beginning. So, mm-hmm. um, so knowing your status and then practicing safe sex. I know it sounds boring in vanilla, but it doesn't have to be. Condoms we know are really the only thing that, um, in terms of also being birth control, can prevent the spread of things. But it goes beyond using condoms. So think dental dams. Think underwear. That actually, there's one called Laurels. Um, I am not sponsored by them, but they should sponsor me because I talk about them as a great way to replace dental dam. So this is protection for oral sex, whether it's cunnilingus or analingus, which I love those words because they sound so like, (laughs) so fancy, like cunnilingus. Um, But it's underwear that you wear and it works like a dental dam and that it gives a physical barrier, but you don't have to hold it in place with like a stupid, annoying dental dam or a condom that you've cut open. Um, Sharing is caring, except for when it comes to things like sex toys. So if you're, if you have something in the bedroom and you're using it, I love that because toys are awesome and fun, but sharing them with other partners is not so fun because you can also share bacteria and viruses. If you are going to, you can use protection or you can clean them off. So it's really just about having open lines of communication and understanding that you don't need a penis in a vagina to spread a bacteria. So yes, so women having sex with women, men having sex with men, all of that, you know, all combinations, things can be spread. And yes, it's not just in penetrative sex, but in oral sex, things that you have, let's say you have cold sores around your mouth. If you're having oral sex, you can spread the herpes virus that way. So it's just about being transparent, being open and understanding that you can still have a lot of fun even mm-hmm. if there's something there and just talking about it, not being ashamed. Yeah. Love that. Um, let's see. This person specifically wanted to know how to get libido back with Mirena and mm. after sex, I guess any birth control um, for that matter. And how like, d- in general, how the heck do you do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for listeners who don't know, Mirena is a type of IUD. It's an intrauterine device. It's a little T-shaped device that gets placed in the uterus. Um, 
Fun fact, I'm on my fourth marina because I love it. It's the set it and forget it. You will put me into the ground, like in my casket with a <laughs> uterus because I don't have periods because of it. I love it so much. Um, oh, I, yeah, the last period I had, I think, was like um, the Obama administration. So oh, that's wow. How, yeah, yeah. I find bleeding. I just, no thank you. I cannot tolerate. Although I did have a little bit of bleeding when I took it out to conceive and I thought, I'm going to die. And it was like nothing, which made me realize how much of a period diva I had become. But that's details you probably didn't want to know. <laughs> but here's the thing. So libido, it's complicated. And what I would first step back and say, okay, so you're saying that you've noticed libido changes since you had your IUD placed. The data doesn't really support that as being a cause because there's not a whole lot of hormone in your bloodstream. So theoretically, it shouldn't affect that. However, I would look at the person in front of me and say, has anything else changed? And if the answer is no, then maybe let's remove the IUD and see if that's, you know, if that fixed it and if you're feeling better. Um, I think it's important that we understand that, you know, I might say, I don't think that's what's causing it or I'm not so sure. But if you want to switch, if you want to change your birth control, it should never be held hostage. You should never be forced into or out of it. So switching things up can, can be the trick. Um, Libido is really complicated. Yeah. It's not like it's not know, a people with a penis that they can just like pop a pill and things happen. I'm a little jealous, but also maybe I'm not because I like being a little more complex than that. I don't know. <laughs> um, so it's really important if you've noticed libido issues in general to understand that women and people with a vagina, libido is multifactorial. Um, it's not just about your clitoris. It's about so much more than that. Um, and so my big takeaways for that are to understand that if you're finding that you're having issues in the bedroom with your libido, talk to somebody about it. And if you get brushed off, I'm so sorry and know that help is out there and you deserve better because I have said this on my socials so many times. If you're told to just relax and drink a glass of wine, it's another great screener that that person shouldn't be your doctor because that answer is bullshit yeah. because there's more to it than that. So there's lots of different ways to think about libido. I like to talk about one model. This is like the most scientific we're going to get, I promise. But it's called the Rosemary Basson Theory of Sexual Receptivity, which is like a lot of words. But basically, it's this badass woman, Rosemary Basson, who put out this theory who said, hey, I think that women and people with vaginas are different than guys when it comes to sex. Like, imagine that. <laughs> it's not that we walk around, we're like sex, 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 or, you know, Point A leads to point B, leads to point C, leads to orgasm. We tend to not work that way. So we tend to work more in a space of receptivity, which means that we're not thinking about it all the time. But if your partner touches you in a certain way <laughs> and they've done the dishes and they're rubbing your feet and then, you know, then leads to, you're like, oh, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta work tomorrow, like whatever. But then a little more. And then before you know it, you're like, Ooh, I'm excited about this. Yeah. Let's have sex. It's about being receptive to sex. That's more how people like me walk around than guys in the world. Mm -hmm. It's an overgeneralization, but sometimes just knowing that that's normal helps people realize, oh, actually my libido is fine. I just thought I was supposed to walk around like, you know, the girls on Pornhub, like just asking for it all the time, which is not <laughs> always the case. Um, but it is a problem if you're distressed by it, if there's pain, if you're finding that you can't orgasm, those are all reasons to seek care. And just like it's multifactorial, the mm -hmm. treatment can be multifactorial. So it can be working with your gynecologist to see if there's issues like nerve disorders or pelvic floor dysfunction. They may refer you to a pelvic floor physical therapist. They may want you to go seek 
partnership care with a counselor, a therapist, a sex counselor, a couples counselor. It's a lot of different things. And sometimes medications are needed and sometimes they're not, but it's not just that, again, log on to Amazon and order the weird sex cream. Like that's not always the answer. So I wish it could be a lot of a simpler answer, but know that if you're distressed by your libido and having issues, there are things we can do to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, another question that we got a number of times is what do you, if you're going into your OBGYN, what should you talk, what, like how, what are important things to say, especially if you've experienced sexual trauma? Oh, yes. I have a whole YouTube video on going to the OBGYN as a trauma survivor because unfortunately it's really common. Um, I think there's a few things that you can do that are super straightforward and easy but I realize that this can be really hard for some people. The first thing is, is tell your provider. Don't feel that you have to hide it or we're somehow going to judge you. Um, I also know that you may not want to tell the whole story. So you get to decide. You can say, Dr. Jen, I have a history of sexual trauma. I'm not talking about it today, but here's the things that make exams easier for me. And if you know what they are, go ahead and tell us. And if you don't know, Hopefully your providers, like what I would say is, okay, here's what I think could help. Let's try this. So letting your provider know your history, asking them to tell you everything before they do it and that you consent to it, which should be the basics, but it's always okay to reiterate that. Um, you can decide what support you need. So bringing somebody with you can be really helpful. I can't tell you how many people ask me, am I allowed to bring a friend to my annual appointment? And I'm like, absolutely. Like, <laughs> And usually it's like a party, like we're laughing, we're having a good time, like I really enjoy that. The COVID times where we couldn't have people, I hated it. So yeah. you can bring somebody with you if you want. Make sure they're like a good support person and not a pain in the ass that's just going to bug you. Like somebody <laughs> who actually, who can also not only maybe distract you, but can be your advocate and can say, she told me if she does this, she wants you to stop. Or these are the questions she wants to ask, but she you know needs some help asking them. Figure out what works for you. If, if distraction works, if listening to a podcast, you can listen to this podcast while you're you know at the OBGYN's yeah. office or watch a TikTok. So that works for some people. Other people need to be in complete control and want to make sure that they're aware of everything that's happening, even holding a mirror so that they know um, can be super helpful. And I think having really low expectations for you after that appointment. So it is really hard if you are a survivor to go in and have an exam that is feels really intimate. So that doesn't mean that you just do it on your lunch break at work and you go back, like right. give yourself some self-care and like real self-care. Like, yeah, massages are great, but like, what do you need to recharge? Is it, you just need to be by yourself for a bit or you want to be with friends? Like what works for you? And just know that it's okay if you feel triggered. If you're seeing a therapist, you might need, you know, to talk about that or, or make sure you've got some increased check-ins afterwards. And the number one thing I want to tell people is that just because you're coming to see us doesn't mean you have to have an exam. It's mm -hmm. okay to come and just talk with us first and get this out in the open. It's also okay if you start an exam or you start to get a vibe that like, I kind of hate this provider to stop and say, we're not doing this today because no means no, stop means stop. And if you are not listened to or heard, please know that's unacceptable and you can go up the chain to report that. But I will tell you a lot of us, we unfortunately see this all the time. So the vast majority of us are, are very good at knowing that these exams can be difficult and more so for people who've got this history. So don't, don't be afraid to speak up. Yeah. I loved how you pointed out doing self-care after the appointment because mm -hmm. I know it's not just afterwards. You just go on to your day-to-day -day life. And I think right. that's super important and a great yeah, tip. Totally. So thank you for that. Of yeah. course. No, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, what age or like what concern do you recommend going to the 
OB for the first time? Like, mm-hmm. is it, do women usually, or anyone come to the doctor or to an OB right before they're having kids or when, mm-hmm. or just for birth control? Like what sort of things do yeah. you? Yeah. What age do you think we recommend? This when is like you a fun, get like, your back period. You. When you get your period. Okay. 21. Oh, it was much sooner for me. I feel like I went when I was like, I maybe should have. I probably should have gone earlier. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe what you're <laughs> I think my mom yeah. took me when I was 14. She was like, I feel like oh, if you have I a period, you, you should yeah. go for pap smears. Yeah. yeah. All right. You all are hired. You're a <laughs> gynecologist. So the American College of OBGYN recommends an initial visit between the ages of 13 and 15. Wow. Which is I is like earlier than most people. Like I certainly didn't go. Um, yeah, and the point of that visit is not to like get a pap smear, have a pelvic exam, get birth control forced down your throat, because that's a lot of what I've heard when I say this. It's truly just to like establish care. So it's the check in, hey, you're getting your period, or it's coming soon. Here's who you can go to and talk with if an issue comes up, or if you're going to decide to have sex. It doesn't mean that we do all these things. So we say 13 to 15, but if you didn't do that, don't worry. You're not going to come into the office and you're going to be. 18 and we're going to be like, look at you. It's about time. No, we're not, (laughs) we're not like that. Um, but know that screenings and certain things are are much later than that. So pap smears shouldn't start till you're 21. Um, you don't need a breast exam at 15, but it's just great for general education, especially since when it comes to health education in this country, we do a really bad job at it. If we do it at all, if you right. go to Florida, Lord knows you're not even allowed to talk about periods before the sixth grade if, you know, Ron DeSantis gets his way. So we just are there to be a safe space and to just establish that care. Um, but we're also there for, I've seen people who are in their 40s and they're coming in for their first time because they've been so afraid. And I'm like, cool, hey, let's catch up. Let's not focus on when you should have been here. Let's talk about what you're doing now. So, yeah. I've got a question that I, I don't know if you're comfortable answering this, but I'm curious mm-hmm. about... Um, you talked about being in a Catholic school. Like, what's what's your relationship with sex been, and how is like how are you? How did you get to now where you're a communicator? I am so comfortable. I've answered oh, this that. question on a, a few stages across a few colleges now. So I okay, <laughs> practice. Yeah. So I I left um, my Catholic high school um, very anti-abortion, very anti-sex until marriage, very abstinence only. Rah rah! I'm not going to hell. All those good things. Like I was a perfect student. Mm-hmm. I. I read the memo, took it all. And then I went to college and I realized they didn't tell me the whole story. Yeah. Um, And obviously I, you know, started having sex and didn't have safe sex the first time because I wasn't prepared. And that started to open my eyes. And I had to go to a county clinic to get birth control. And I felt very, like a lot of deep shame about it. And when I got my first pap and I had HPV, which is the human papillomavirus, I thought, oh my God, like... Those nuns were right. Nobody told me that 80% of people having sex at some point in their lives are going to have HPV. It's the common cold of the vagina. It's not a reason to freak out. It's like, you know, it's 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 the club that we are, we're in and it's fine. Um, so it changed. It really, it changed quite a bit. And then when I went to medical school and really when I did my OBGYN rotation, I went to Tulane in New Orleans and I was there during Hurricane Katrina. Long story short, I ended up in Houston for my OBGYN rotation after the storm and saw a lot of poverty, which I saw in New Orleans, but now a lot of displaced people who were getting even worse care. Mm -hmm. I saw what happens when you can't have access to birth control, when you're forced to have a baby you're not prepared for, when you, you know, are a victim of assault. And I realized 
can I curse on this podcast? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I was like, fuck this shit. Like, this is bullshit. And (laughs) I am going to be an OBGYN and I'm going to be trained in how to do abortions and how to provide birth control and how to do it in a shame-free way. And so really, everything I do now, like all the social content, it's like talking to the 16-year-old version of me who was told that I was dirty or shameful for Mm -hmm. even thinking about sex or masturbation or all these things. Um, So it was a great awakening. And it's not to say that the religion itself was the problem, but the shame-based roots, the purity culture, the idea that you are only worth something when you are a virgin. And then once you get married and you're supposed to be a sex kitten, like makes no sense, right? Like we're never taught about our clitoris. We're never taught about any of these things. So Sister Claire Veronica, who taught me all that stuff in 11th grade religion class called morality, um, I think she was wrong and I, she's no longer (laughs) with us, but if she's looking down on me, I hope she sees every time I buy a vibrator and she just (laughs) smiles a little and knows that it could have been so much better. (laughs) Does birth control show up on your family's health insurance? Mm. Oh, Mm -hmm. that's such a good question because that question comes from the place of fear, like shit, I need it. And how am I going to get it and not tell my parents? And this is where the parents who are listening or that one person in my comment section who's like, how dare you tell the kids how to lie? And I'm like, ma'am, you were that age too at one point. Like, don't you remember what it was like? Um, I'm a huge fan of honesty. So I preface this with in a perfect world, we're able to tell our parents everything. I also don't live in a perfect world. Hello, it's 2023 and the world's burning down. Like, come on. Um, So the answer is it could. It could show up. So if you are in your parents' insurance, it can show up. So here's what I recommend you do. So number one, have an honest conversation with your doc and be like, listen, I need birth control, but I'm really afraid. What can we do about it? And if I were your doctor, I could say, okay, like it's going to show up, but we can code it differently. We can say it's for painful periods. We can say it's for irregular periods. I'm happy to help facilitate a conversation about why you're really on it. If you don't want to, I get it, but we can also, we can do this. The other thing that you can do is not use your parents' insurance. And so if you're doing that, you would want to ask for a generic because those are cheaper. Mm -hmm. Um, The great thing, the fact that even though the world's burning down and like we are where we are, is that there's so many more options than what I had when I was trying to hide my birth control from my parents. Um, So there's a lot of stuff. So if you're in an area where you have access to county clinics, health center clinics, Planned Parenthood's, A lot of them have free or sliding scale birth control, so you can get it at no cost, um, like I did back in the old days. But you can also get it mailed to you. And I'm not a huge, like, I don't want to say this, like Mark Cuban, like I love watching Shark Tank, but the pharmacy that he started, um, whatever it's called, what is it, Cost cost Drugs or whatever, I always call it like Costco Drugs, that's not true, but his pharmacy (laughs) Um, super cheap stuff. A lot of mail order birth control companies have it where you can order it at generic or low cost sliding scale. So there's lots of ways around it. And I just hate that we have to even have this conversation because yeah, if you're a minor, your parents can have access to your electronic record, but know that when you're talking to us, if like you're even asking me this question, you're afraid I'm going to tell your parents I'm not, I am bound by confidentiality. There are some variations in state laws, but know that the vast majority of us, if you ask us specifically, and if you you know know that we are bound, unless you're telling us you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else, we're not going to go out there and like open the door and be like, Janie's on birth control. What a slut. Like, no, we're not going to do that because we care about you. You're our patient. Um, so there are workarounds, but mm-hmm. it annoys me that you have to even think about it. Speaking of mail order, birth control. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell the, us yeah. more about Mayday Health and how oh. you got started. That's yeah. an incredible, it started in what year? 
Uh, it started the day Ro fell. So wow. like oh, wow. less than a, yeah, we're coming up on our one year anniversary. So mm-hmm. yeah. So mayday.health is the website and it's a nonprofit and it's, um, Right now, it is uh, the number one health education nonprofit when it comes to helping people learn about mail order abortion pills in all 50 states in paid digital ads. That's like a whole mouthful. So basically, it's a website you can go to and figure out how you can still get abortion pills in all 50 states, even in the states of Texas and Louisiana and Oklahoma and elsewhere. And you might be like, oh, how does that work? It's banned. Well, there's ways around it. And you can see how on the website, it's written at a fifth grade reading level. We collect zero identifying information. I think that's really important for people to know because the number one state that people come to, to our website is from Texas. And I get it. They're scared. There's also a website um, that's like its sister website. I created this website. It's called threeforfreedom.com. So you just spell it out, three for freedom. It's three things that you can do today, no matter where you are, to guarantee your reproductive freedom, especially if you're in a state like Texas or elsewhere. So it's a hub for helping you get mail order birth control, morning after pills, and abortion pills. And all of these you can get sent to you. And when it comes to morning after pills and abortion pills, yes, you can have them ahead of time. That was what I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Good for like about two years if they're kept in their original packaging, not in the medicine cabinet where I keep all of my medicine. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, just being honest, not perfect. But um, that could be a whole other episode of like the things gynecologists do that we don't do, we tell people not to do. Um, but good for two years in like a cool, dry place in their original packaging. And so, there are ways around this. I hate that we need to do it, but know that um, we also have on our website information if you've got digital privacy questions, legal questions, that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm the, I get to be the executive director of that that fun that fun website, and we're coming up on one year, and we have reached um, over 45 million people so far. Wow. wow. Yeah, we average about a million hits a month, up to a million hits a month. So people are coming, and we're happy Gosh. to meet them where they are because we believe that abortion and reproductive health care is health care, and everybody deserves access. So. Yeah. yeah. And Mayday.health will be in our show notes if you guys want to check it out. Yeah. Okay, so going back to um, what's safer, getting your tubes tied or getting a vasectomy? Mm. Mm. What do you guys think? I'm guessing it's vasectomy. Yeah. It's gotta yeah. be. It's gotta I be. noticed how you just like crossed your legs a little. To- <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Just think about the anatomy. One's Tubes more external. so much yeah. more internal. Yeah. Yeah. Vasectomy is just a little snip. And it's even reversible. How is yeah. it okay, reversible? Let's, talk, let's unpack that. But yeah. first, so yeah, vasectomy is so much easier. Mm-hmm. Like anybody could do it. Like it's not that hard. <laughs> I could do it. <laughs> Come on down. Um, and you're right. It's because they're literally like hanging out there in the wind. Like you don't have to go into the abdominal cavity. It's so much better. So yeah, doing a tubal ligation requires anesthesia and it's a Mm. surgery, you know, we do it in an OR. Mm. Vasectomy, you could do in an office or like in whatever, in your room. I don't know. Um, But (laughs) I do want to say tubal ligations are also extremely safe, but vasectomies are even safer and they're both remarkably effective. We should not treat vasectomies as reversible. And I love that you brought that up because we see it on the TikToks and all the socials. Mm -hmm. And um, can it be reversed? Yes, attempts can be made, but depending on how long ago it was, what your anatomy is, it's not always successful. And Mm. so it's also important to note that it's not often covered by insurance. And if it doesn't work, um, that's, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars you're out. And then you may need to pursue something like IVF. So I saw a lot of this, you know, conversation come up, especially after the fall of Roe was like, just get vasectomies and then you can reverse them when you're ready to have kids. You should totally treat it as 
permanent. Um, mm. Because even though sometimes it does work, it shouldn't, you shouldn't count on it. But I think if more guys realized how simple it was, yeah. um, and I think it like ups your marketability status, right? Like here's a guy <laughs> who is like taking control, you know, in it to win it, like cares so much about me that he's doing this for him. Like that's, you know, I, w- I would like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't know this, but I carried and birthed twins vaginally a few years ago. Um, which was great. But now here comes the reader question that I didn't write this in, but could have. I pee a little bit almost every time I sneeze or trip or get surprised or dance or whatever. Help. What can I do? <laughs> yeah. So I already knew this was the question you were going to go to. Uh-huh. After you said vaginal birth twins. I was like, she peeing herself. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. I am. <laughs> Yeah. So fancy fun word. It's called stress urinary incontinence or SUI. And it is leakage with exactly like what you said, laughing, causing coughing, sneezing on the trampoline. Um, I want to let people know that this can be common after having kids, but it does not mean that you have to deal with it. And it's actually pretty easily treatable. And it's just related to the fact that like stuff is different down there. And Uh uh-huh. You know, we see this more often in people who've had babies and they're also smokers. So they're coughing chronically all the time. Oh, that's we not do see me, it in people. But... I wasn't going to, yeah, I wasn't going to be like, listen, you need to cut back. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's various things, you know, people have had more babies um, and even not just having vaginal birth, just the act of being pregnant um, mm. can change it too. So mm-hmm. um This can be treated a few different ways. The number one thing I would say is don't just hide and think I have to deal with it. So go get evaluated. It can be related to how your pelvic floor musculature works and where things are sitting, like your uterus and your bladder, because sometimes prolapse can play into it. So getting an exam, starting with your gynecologist can be a great first step. Sometimes they will then right away refer you to somebody called a urogynecologist. These are gynecologists who do extra training and can um, really evaluate how things sit and work in the pelvis. They may have you do something called like a whole workup where they see what happens when you bear down, when you cough, when you sneeze to see if urine comes out. Treatments can be strengthening the pelvic floor muscles and it's not just about Kegels. So I tell people like, don't do Kegels for five years, think that's it and it doesn't work and you suffer in silence. There's surgeries that we can do where we can put in little slings to kind of help give the urethra, the tube where the urine comes out a little bit of support. So there's definitely things that we can do. It's one of the most treatable gynecologic conditions out there. So do not think that you just have to deal with it and wear diapers for the rest of your life. So I don't wear diapers, but you know, if I have a dance party with my kids, I'm Mm -hmm. like, I got to go change after because you're just a little bit comes out as I jump around, especially if I'm Holding them, yeah, too. So right. That extra weight is. I'm carrying down on your seventy pounds floor. and jumping around. Exactly. That's exactly. surefire. Yeah. yeah, and I do want to say this kind of leakage. It's not dangerous. Like it's not putting your life in danger. It's a quality of life issue. Some people, that's yeah. what they have, and they're like, I don't really care. It's fine. And others are like, I don't want to have sex anymore because I'm embarrassed, or I can't dance because of this, or I can't do something. Mm. So it's all about what works for you. Yeah, I mean, um, I look the- at a trampoline and I say, Not today, <laughs> Satan. Not today. <laughs> To close out, do you have any tips for parents, teachers to approach sex education in a more neutral way? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. Say the words. Say, Say the vagina, words. vulva, penis, scrotum, testicle, nipple, orgasm, clitoris, all the things. That's like mm. that's like my kid's song that I would, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, but don't be afraid if you didn't start that way. Like, it's okay. When we know better, we do better. No shame, but trust me, I wasn't raised this way and we can all, you know, it's, it's all right. I turned out pretty normal. 
<laughs> stuff all the time. Um, normalize it. Don't wait for the talk. There's age appropriate ways as we move through. And there's definitely people in America right now who want to make it sound like when we're talking about this stuff, we're grooming kids. It's the exact opposite. When we talk about this stuff in a normal, anatomical, non you know, ridiculous sexualized way. It's literally biology. We're actually protecting them against being abused because when mm-hmm. they know the words, they know how to, to to realize something's wrong and they're more likely to report it. And they're also more likely if they've got this kind of education to have sex later in life and when they do it to be prepared, which me as a parent, that's kind of what I want for my kids. Yeah. So don't use silly names. Talk about it in that way. It's neutral. It's just biology. So when your kid asks you something, you don't have to be like, oh my God, we don't talk about penises. Like, we don't, okay, cool. And if you don't know, there's great resources out there. You can say, you know what, honey, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll figure it out. And know that you can ask your doctor. You can ask them for, for good resources. Um, and just know that being informed is being empowered. And it's really breaking that culture of shame because when we say we can't talk about something, we automatically make kids want to talk about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we make them feel like they have to hide something. And I don't know about you, but I want more girls and people with a uterus when they've got painful periods that they get help, that they don't feel ashamed. And that they that translates into every aspect of their lives. We're teaching kids to take control of their bodies, which we need now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you see? We could talk about it all day, like sex all day long, and we still wouldn't get to it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lincoln. Um, You can follow her on all her socials. What are your handles? It's at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, on pretty much everywhere. Perfect. (laughs) So Instagram, TikTok, podcast, Mayday Health. Yeah. There you go. Thank you so much for coming to sit with us. We really appreciate your time and. You're welcome back anytime. Yeah. We'll be back next Tuesday. (laughs) Thank you for giving a place, like a space to talk about this. The more that we do this, the more that we normalize it. And Mm -hmm. I love that y'all are doing it. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. She's great. Yeah, yeah so she's lovely. so knowledgeable. That was awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of, I was like, oh my gosh. Good find. School. How did you find her? Instagram or TikTok? energy. I just yeah. did that some click, 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 click on some the internet. Click, like, oh, I went click, 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 click. I went Google, da, 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 da. <laughs> All right. Another audience question. Do I need to disclose that I'm a virgin? OMG, I need your help, and this is urgent. I hope this. I hope we're answering in a timely fashion. Essentially, this guy. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> this email's from six months ago. I know. Essentially, this guy I've had a crush on for forever finally kissed me at a party, and we ended up back at his place, and things were getting heated. But then I told him I was on my period, so I didn't want to go farther because I'm actually a virgin. All caps. We're going to hang out again on Saturday and I want to have sex with him. But my question is, do I have to tell him? I don't want him to think I'm inexperienced. Thank you. Well, first of all, virginity's fucking made up. Yeah. There's no such thing. There's no shame in it being your first time. Yeah. But by definition, you are inexperienced. So mm. wouldn't you want him to know so that he can... I don't... Don't you want to be honest with the person you're dying to have sex with? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. You want him to know more about you. That's mm. probably why you want to have sex with him. Mm. There's like chemistry and you like each other and you want to know each other. Just yeah. tell him. You don't have to disclose anything. Virginity is fucking made up by the puritanical patriarchy. But yeah. like, don't you want him to know who you are? Yeah. Especially as things getting, I feel like you can just say, I don't even, uh, how do you not be weird? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you got it. You got I it. I mean, how do you not be weird? <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to have sex. sex. 
Um, I've never done that before. <laughs> like in a play or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think it's important to say beforehand because during it, he'll probably realize it. And yeah. then it could like be, then it's going to be more weird mm. in the middle of it rather than just saying it up front. Yeah. My, my friend, I had a friend who was like, I lean into it. She was like, I, she was like, I think guys love it. it. They think it's so hot when I tell them I'm a virgin and then I don't have sex with them. And she was a virgin. <gasps> yeah. And then she, I, she eventually had sex. Yeah. Wow. But well, we all be, do. It can be really hot. Apparently. Yeah. I feel like you can just preface it before things get heated. So it's not like, I don't know. You don't have to yell it out in the moment. Like I'm yeah. awake. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awake. Yeah. Hi. No, but yeah. Rachel, I think that's an interesting perspective that it's like, don't you want him to know? Like you, mm-hmm. isn't that the point of the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. Saying like, I don't want him to think I'm an experience. Girl, you are an experience and that's okay <laughs> and beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Everyone was unexperienced at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. I would never like go surfing for the first time with someone and be like, I don't want him to think I'm an experience. I want to be like, I don't want to drown. Oh, yeah. Please help me. I like setting expectations. By the way, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Help me. And then maybe you're better than what. Oh he yeah. Thinks in his brain. You're like, wow, that was truth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's funny. Soft. 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 Talent. Red flag. Question mark. I found a pair of pilot goggles at my girlfriend's house. She is not a pilot. Neither am I. Should I be worried? Low key. Absolutely, unless it's a costume and it's Halloween. Or I, I need to know what the party. goggles look like. What do they look like, Max? Pilot I mean, goggles? I actually don't. Do pilots wear goggles? goggles? Why are you worried? Why do goggles equal red flag? Because whose are those? Well, when she says pilot goggles, I'm picturing Amelia Earhart. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. do modern pilots wear let's goggles? Look, let's look it up. Let's look it up. I yeah, think that's great. I think unless you're like in a fighter jet or something like yeah you don't maybe it was someone's that. leftover halloween costume i love maybe that they're... maggie was like yes be worried <laughs> yeah maggie was like, high key <laughs> high key i am concerned like i need a description don't they just wear sunglasses like maybe she just found them at a cool vintage shop and she's yeah. like wow these were two dollars be, be open it says um sometimes there's usually explanations for yeah. She's not a pilot. That doesn't mean she can't own goggles. That's true. That's they true. could be snowboarding goggles. They seem yeah. maybe look similar. I don't yeah. know. I don't Ask, know. Yeah, just in case. And You need to investigate more. Yeah. Investigate yeah. more. And it's an easy question. Oh, well, where'd you get these? What are these from? What are these from? <laughs> <laughs> I think pilots are notorious. Ask right. if you can borrow them. That's like. Oh, that's where your innu- the innuendo comes from. Yeah. I think so. You're if you're allowed to borrow them, mm. don't be Pilots have a lover in every city, I yeah. think, is like oh, a, that's right. a reputation that mm. is probably unfair, maybe fair. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Interesting. But I feel like they don't, like, when you see, do you follow any pilots on TikTok? Because there are a couple of pilots on TikTok, and they're never wearing goggles. Oh, okay. yeah. I, okay. They're like normal Your people TikTok in, like, their uniform. <laughs> we recently <laughs> flew tiny planes for a Were video. You goggles? No. No one was wearing any goggles. Yeah. Okay. The boys wore goggles when they literally went skydiving. We jumping out of the plane. Yeah. Jumping out of the plane so you could keep your eyes open and see because the wind's really fast. But no, we were wearing sunglasses or nothing. So it must be like a costume or something. Like yeah. That. You should be worried that For she's sure. cosplaying as a pilot at night. Mm. <laughs> yeah. In her fantasy. In her fantasy, fantasy. world. Okay. Next question. Mm-hmm. There's this guy in my chemistry class on the nose, I know who I study with a bunch, but I don't know if it's ever been flirty or not. Mm. 
On Saturday at 10 p.m., he asked if I had quarters for laundry. My mom was visiting, so I said I did, but I'm with my mom. All my <laughs> friends say that it was him trying to hook up. I do like him, so do you think he was trying to hook up? Number two, <laughs> how can I make a really subtle move in case I'm wrong? <laughs> Wait, what did he ask her? Do you she have has quarters, quarters at 10 p.m. On Saturday. On Saturday. Is, is that what the kids are saying? <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like she's reading into it a lot like ha, like you know I think it's just college or like you think he really needs quarters yeah that's not that's not I think people I don't are just up late I don't think that's code for like let's have sex now no you don't and think it's so? not even code for I, I want to hang out with you it's like I think you have some money for free. yeah, yeah. I think it be it could be read either way. I need yeah. some more context. I need to see these two people interact. But I feel like <laughs> if I were in college and I needed quarters at 10 p.m., I would probably text someone who either lived right next door right. in my building, someone I had easy access to. So if I really wanted to t- have an excuse to talk to someone I like, yeah. 10 p.m. Hey, I guess I could do laundry right yeah. now. Maybe if, not necessarily you know. hook up, but like, hi, can I see you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to hang out? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I don't he needs know. some better lines. Yeah. He needs some better. He needs some better pickup lines. <laughs> you got some quarters. You got some quarters. <laughs> Honestly, an exchange of quarters doesn't even take any time. You're not going to hang out. That's true. Yeah. Princesses yeah. never jingle, too, according to Princess Diaries. That's That would be, oh, my, come, right. that'd be my comeback. I'd be like, Nene. Princesses never jingle. Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews taught me. Well, what would you do? Like, what's a subtle line that would be foolproof so that he can't be like, whoa, I didn't. What do you mean? You know? Well, ask him how laundry went. Yeah. <laughs> you got clean clothes. You want to come cuddle? See, with what, your warm see clothes? what his response is. I feel like that's a kind of a you know good way to call him out. Look, yeah, guys, just say, do you want to hang out? Whoa, did you used to do that? Whoa. Yeah. Do you want to hang out? And then see if he's like, yeah, let me invite a bunch of other people. Or sure. Do you want to go to a park? You know, like, just do you want to hang out? Well, I'm imagining they're underage and have no money. That's what I'm guessing. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to go to a park? Not let's Netflix. Oh, yeah, sure. That's very bold, though. (laughs) If they're not dating at all, come over to my house and watch something. No. Wow. I was playing like, or I guess still, I'll I'll do like crazy. I'll be like, oh, never have I thought to be like, do you want to hang out? If he's comfortable enough asking for money at nighttime, <laughs> he can answer if he wants to hang out. Why? What would your subtle? Yeah. I think it would just be, I would just like tap him on the shoulder and see what he does. <laughs> you have to be in person for that. What would you yeah. text? Oh, I'd probably be like, if I was in a class with him, I'd be like, hey, like, did you do the homework? Or like, hey, mm. like, did you, uh, oh, like, we were talking about this show. Did you see this video? Mutual shared experiences, safe yeah. ground. Yeah, like safe it. ground, safe ground. I like it. Yeah. And then, and then, where do you go from there? That doesn't tell you anything. It goes right. to, do you want to hang out? Yeah. Well, then you build a repartee. Oh, repartee. You see if he's repartee. good at the witty banter. You see if he's good, and then maybe you, you can s- share yeah. an experience. It's like oh, exactly. Ooh. Oh, you see the new show came out. Uh oh, who are you gonna watch it with? Me. No one. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Laundry night. <laughs> <laughs> 
laundry night. And like in two weeks, be like, so you should probably need laundry again. <laughs> well, you guys, thank you so much for sitting with us on this lovely episode. It was so nice to be able to talk to an expert about all your guys' questions. Be sure to email our pod email at you can sit with us pod at gmail.com. You can send in your questions, your am I the asshole? Uh, all the things, suggestions, anything, anything you want. We're always, we love reading your emails. So, um, until next week, be sure you are washing your hands, being kind to others, being kind to yourself, voting in your local election and peeing after sex and all the sign off things. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.